0: Last week we began a series on biblical giving and um, we looked at the theology of money. Um, um, This is a subject that to some people is very touchy because they value their possession and uh, uh, they'll not want anyone to talk about what they own, isn't it? Uh, It can be touchy as well because many people have been deceived by false teachers and the danger for us is to swing to the other pendulum and say that we are never going to talk about money because, while in the charismatic movement, every day, money was being spoken about. It's important for us, as we saw last week, that this is part of the whole counsel of God. Jesus talks about money more than heaven and hell combined. And so this is, this is, um, <clears throat> this is part of the counsel of God. If we chose not to speak about, let's say, uh, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit or the doctrine of election, um, you will reprimand us, isn't it? You'll ask us, why are you not teaching this doctrine? Um, yet it is in the Bible, isn't it? Uh, the same case, the teaching on biblical giving is in the Bible. It's just that it has been twisted and false teachers have used it for their advantage. You saw that money belongs to God, that all of us are merely stewards. God has given to us, has entrusted to us, and we do not own it. We are mere stewards. Secondly, we saw that God provides for us not to raise our standard of living, but to raise what? Our standard of giving. And then we saw that both poverty and riches can be used for our spiritual harm. We saw that the attitude and the use of money is a great indicator of your heart. Today, I'd like us to consider... In the, under the title biblical giving the grace of giving the grace of giving let's turn to Second Corinthians chapter 8 2nd Corinthians chapter 8, <clears throat> I'd like you to see three things there, um, Paul in exhorting the church in Corinth uses the example of the Macedonian church to exhort them to give, You see that from verse 1 to 7, and then verse 8 to 10 we see the example of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then we see in verse 11 to 15 that there is legitimate expectation because of grace. So I'd like to request someone to read from chapter 7 verse 16 to chapter 8 verse 15 of Second Corinthians. 7, 2 Corinthians 7 16 to chapter
1: 8, verse 15. 7, verse 16. I rejoice because I have complete confidence in you. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. In a severe test of affliction, the abundance of joy, and extreme poverty, are have in a wealth of generosity in their, their part. They gave according to their means, they can beyond their means of their own accord, begging us honestly for the favour of taking part in the relief of the saints. This not as we expected, passed, but they gave themselves up to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, you all teach us that as he had started, so he should complete among you. These are the But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, knowledge and all earnestness, in our love for you see that you excel in this act of grace also i say this not as a command but prove with honestness others that your love also is genuine for you know the grace of our lord jesus christ that though he was rich yet for the sake for your sake he became poor so that you so that you by his poverty might become rich in this matter give my judgment this benefits you who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness, desiring it, can be matched by completing it out of what you have. For if, for if the readiness is there, it is acceptable. according to what a person has, not according to what he does, does not have. Five not mean that others should eat a new body but that is, as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may the supply your need, that they may defend. As it is written, whoever gathered much has nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no luck.
0: So we begin from verse 16 there, and Paul has confidence in these saints, in this church. Why does he have confidence that they are going to give? He has confidence that they are going to give because he believes that there has been a change of heart, a genuine repentance. You see, when salvation comes, it touches to the innermost being of a soul. And that will be demonstrated in the way that we give. Paul has confidence in verse 16 I rejoice because I have complete confidence in you You see, giving is a spiritual act it is a transforming act it is a unifying act and as you can see there a couple of times Paul calls it it's an act of grace the act of giving is all of grace because it is first of all the grace of God working in us to change us and then we become conduits of what grace or of that grace which we have received. and so when grace takes root in our heart in our church, we become givers. When we give grace overflows from, from us, from our grace from our experience and into the lives of others. and so let's look at this example, uh, the grace of God in the Macedonian church. so Macedonia. Um, was in the region that included the Philippian church the Thessalonian church and the Berean church these churches had been established during Paul's second missionary journey and after the the establishment they began to uh, to, to receive persecution Um, remember in Acts chapter 16 verse 6 Paul and his companions had wanted to go to Asia, uh, but what happened? The Spirit forbade them from speaking the gospel into Asia. They wanted to make efforts to go through Bithynia. But what happened? The Spirit of God forbade them going through Bithynia. Then the Spirit of God redirects them through the vision of the man in Macedonia to go west and not east. And so these churches were poor churches. Um, <clears throat> compared to the church in Corinth, the church in Corinth was rich. Um, compared to the churches in Macedonia, they were poor. Uh, yet Paul says here that it was grace that was given to these churches. And how does Paul know that grace was given to these churches? He said there in verse 2, because, because in a severe test of affliction, the abundance of joy and the extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Now these people were going through affliction, they were in the midst of poverty, yet they joyfully and sacrificially gave. You see, there is no other explanation for people giving generously in the midst of poverty and in the midst of affliction. Accept grace. Giving in, a, giving in the midst of calamity is a sign that the grace of God has filled the heart with joy. And this example is held up to the Corinthians. that This church begged, verse 4 says, they begged, they begged Paul earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. They knew that Paul was uh, collecting contributions towards the saints in Jerusalem who were in need. And this church begged that they would partner with Paul to relieve the needs of those saints. This church was going through a fire of affliction. You read Acts chapter 17, you read 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. They were going through a fiery furnace. They were facing poverty and affliction. And Paul says, when I told them that I was taking collection for the needy saints in Jerusalem, they begged, they pleaded with me for partnership. And the foundation of that partnership is given to us there. That first of all they gave themselves to the Lord. Verse 5 says, and this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. And so this example is used to encourage the Corinthians to complete the act of grace. Um, If you remember, the, the church in Corinth had for a year... ...wanted to support the saints in Jerusalem... ...but they had not not done it. And so Paul is saying here... ...that that, that they complete that act of grace... ...by collecting contributions. So when when Titus was there... ...they were previously in the process... ...of collecting contributions... ...yet those contributions... ...had not been completed. Um, It's possible... ...that um, false teachers... ...as we know that there were false teachers in this church had come in and, and um, deceived them so that they had stopped giving. It could be again um, <clears throat> when, when you have a need in the church and um, it's not urgently dealt with. As time goes, people fail to see the urgency of it, isn't it? Uh, people fail to give towards it. Um, so it's, there could be so many possibilities why they did not uh, send those contributions earlier. So the apostle here combines the the, issue, the idea of giving with the idea of grace, and um, it's the grace of God to the Corinthians that enables them to give willingly. Paul is confident that repentance had come to these people. That there was a work work of grace that was in progress. And a distinguishing mark that there is a work of grace is the willingness of the saints to give. Look at the generosity of the saints in Macedonia in verse 1. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Notice that it is the grace of God, isn't it? Um, It is not their efforts, it is not their poverty, it is not their riches that enable them. It is the grace of God so that who is given credit for for that generosity? It is God, isn't it? Because it is that grace of God that enables people to give. And so they were not wealthy, as it says in verse 2 For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty had overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. They were poor according to world standard, but they were rich. Rich in what? They were rich, rich in grace. These people had two impediments. And, and often this is something that uh, will hinder people from giving these people were poor and we are told that these people were facing severe test of affliction so they had an abundance of trouble on their part to occupy their time, isn't it? these people were in deep poverty yet in this condition we are told that there was something that was overflowing, what was it? There was abundance of Jesus. It says there in verse 2. They are, these people are not depressed. They, they were not sad. These people were full of joy. And the reason why they were full of joy is because their faith looked, not on the present circumstances, but their, their faith looked to Christ. They counted it as worthy to be to suffer for the name of Christ these people had the comfort of the Holy Spirit they had the presence of Jesus Christ these people had received forgiveness of God reconciliation with him the blessing of Jesus Christ was abundant enough in spite of their present circumstance to be abundantly joyous can it be said of us that when you are going through a trial and affliction, you can have joy and peace like the Macedonians? Yeah. Do we have the proper perspective as far as our affliction is concerned? That when we are going through affliction, we have, uh, we have confidence in the promises of God, we have, pros- promises, we have confidence in the word of God, we have confidence in the character of God, the fact that God is working all things for good. That in their poverty, they abounded in deep liberality. They generously gave to those they were in no relationship with. These people had no relationship with the church in Jerusalem, isn't it? These are Gentiles. What do you think is, can be the implication for us today, looking at the example of the Macedonian church? What's the direct implication to us?
1: Yet we see that the example of the Macedonian church, mm. they gave, even mm. in its extreme mess of
0: poverty and mm. in their inflictions, mm. uh this it to. So I see that the of lack of parents, the condition of abundance or lack of grace is not Christians can say, I'm having a bad time financially, isn't it? That's why I cannot give. Christians can say I'm a student, I don't have work, or I'm unemployed, therefore I cannot give. But what you see here is true generosity is not about having wealth, isn't it? True generosity is about, about giving the little that you have, isn't it, sharing with others, And uh, the most genuine generosity is displayed by those who have the least to give, isn't it? If you really want to know if you're generous, (laughs) you ought to test yourself when you are in luck, isn't it? Uh, You have the example of the poor widow um, in Luke 21 verse 4. The point that Jesus was making and the point that Paul is making here we should never tell ourselves that you cannot give isn't it we can always give something you can always give something um, let's say if you have if you have 50 shillings and um, Or let me use this example. If someone was to have 100 million or let's say they were earning 100 million, isn't it? I know it's not further, but if someone was earning 100 million and they gave to the church every month 1 million shillings, it may look like this is a lot of money, isn't it? But compared to the monthly income, it's not even... 10% of it, isn't it? It's a, real, it's, a, it's a negligible fraction, isn't it? It's one out of 100 of it, isn't it? It's 0.01% of his money. Or is, is it? Oh, sorry, 1% of his money, yeah. It's 1% of his money. Um, if someone had 50 shillings, or let's say they earned 50 shillings in a month, and they decided to give 10 shillings, it may look negligible, isn't it? A small amount of money, yet that money is of greater fraction, isn't it, than the hundred million guy, isn't it? Because ten percent of uh, sorry, ten shillings of fifty is twenty percent, isn't it? Um, so it's not in the amount, as as Jesus taught us um, in the in the story of the poor widow. It's not in the amount. So sorry, it's it's it's. It's not in the amount, it's so much in the generosity of it. Um, that someone is giving according to their means. Look at verse 3. For they gave according to their means. Or even beyond their means. But these people looked at what they were able to give in proportion to their means. Isn't it? Like you, you, you look at what you're able to give in proportion to what you have, and what do you do? You give even more. It says there, and beyond their means. And you give even more than, um, than you're able to give. And that was the generosity of the Macedonian giving. Um, <clears throat> Notice also that these Christians were not pressured into giving. It says, verse 3, that 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 they gave out of their own accord. They gave willingly. They were not coerced or threatened or manipulated like what the false teachers do. What did they do? They went to Paul and they pleaded with him to receive their gift for the saints in Jerusalem. You see, nowhere in the book of 1st and 2nd Thessalonians and Philippians does Paul write to those saints requesting for support, isn't it? No does he do that because Paul Paul knew that these people were poor and he does not want to burden them he doesn't ask them in the letter to support him, isn't it? Paul does not seem to understand that these were people who were in great need and he does not request for their support. Rather, you read uh, in Philippians that it was a thank you letter to the church in Philippi. Paul is writing to them a thank you letter to them for their support. He doesn't even request um, for, for, for their financial aid. Paul knew the degree of difficulty, isn't it, that these churches were facing. Um, <clears throat> And these people wanted to share the needs to to share in the needs of the people of Jerusalem. The point here is believers, true believers, do not need to be pressured or coerced or manipulated to give. True believers see the need and they take the initiative upon themselves and they seek to volunteer their time, their resources. To be of ministry to others, true believers look for opportunities to be of service to others. They do not need to be asked to do so, because they realize that it is a privilege to serve in the kingdom of God. That they will not want to miss out the privilege of serving others. That the grace of God that has been extended to them, it is so great. But they cannot pay it back. Those who have been transformed follow the example of Jesus Christ who said the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. They take initiative to serve. As Jesus went to wash the disciples' feet, he was not asked by the disciples to wash their feet yet he insisted on serving them. And what does he tell them? As I've done to you, you, you do what? You do it to others. As Christ has extended grace to you, you extend it to others. And so you see a need, you take, you take initiative, you volunteer, and the foundation of it you see there in verse 5. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. This was the foundation of their generosity isn't it? Now, these people understood that they were saved. they were bought with a, with a prize. they did not belong to themselves they belonged to God and as God's representatives, they asked themselves, "How can we serve?" and you are not your own. you do not belong to yourself any longer. you were bought. With a prize, and that prize is the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore glorify him in your bodies. Look at Romans chapter 12 verse one. Romans 12 verse one. It says, "I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship." It is reasonable, it is logical that because God has extended mercy to you, what do you do? You give yourself to Him. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Christ says, Whoever will save his life will lose it, isn't it? Whoever will lose his life will save it. And so the gospel calls us for selflessness the same way that uh, we see the example of this church. What shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? The Christian realizes that he belongs to God. He gives himself to the Lord, as verse 5 says, they gave themselves first to the Lord. That everything he has belongs to God. And it it should be used for God's kingdom, for God's service. See, If we do not give ourselves to the Lord first, will never make any sacrifices to the Lord. You see, that's the reason why the Macedonian Christians sacrificed to the Lord. Verse 5 says, they first gave themselves to the Lord. It's only those who have given themselves to the Lord that they are able to give up their possession for the Lord. And this is what sacrificial giving is. Someone willing to give, someone willing to interrupt their lifestyle, to interrupt their life, someone willing to interrupt their self indulgence of any kind for the welfare of other Christians. <clears throat> and so the church in Corinth is encouraged to give just like the Macedonians. And I ask you, Trinity Reform Baptist Church look at the example of the macedonian church look at those instructions as directing to us as well that we give ourselves to the lord first and then we'll be able to give um, sacrificially let us ask god for much grace let us trust god isn't it let's not trust our money and our possession let us trust god and give ourselves to god any question or addition before we look at the second thing Yes, they, they were
1: richer, isn't, isn't it? So, we could interpret the same mm. parable of the rich fool. Okay. I'm asking whether we should carry the same interpretation.
0: Okay. Um, so, in the parable of the rich fool, it doesn't look like they were believers. He was a believer, isn't it? But so, the Yes, they are believers. Yes, they are believers. Because you see, Paul says in verse, chapter 7, verse 16, I rejoice because I have complete confidence in you. Why does he have com- complete confidence in them? Because he, he understands that there is a work of grace. Mm. <clears throat> Let's look at, secondly, the example of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. the example of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse, you look at that from verse 8 to 10. We read from verse 6. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he had started, so he should, he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you who are here ago started not only to do this work but also to desire to do it. So Paul secondly here appeals to the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul wants them to be motivated by the grace of Jesus Christ and he urges them to prove the genuineness of their love. You see, the, the incarnation here ends up to be the greatest demonstration of grace. In the incarnation our Lord Jesus Christ freely gave himself so that we can be redeemed. And so we have received grace through his act of grace. And so in this case, it's not only the Macedonian who acts as an example, but Jesus Christ is the supreme example who gave himself so that we can receive grace upon grace. Paul is telling them, follow through, What you started, isn't it? A year ago, you started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. You see? If it were not for jesus we will not be interested in giving we'll still be dead in our sins and trespasses we still be under the shackles of the evil one but you see here all appeals to the grace of jesus christ that the heart that has been changed is set free from the love of things from the love of money Because you look at what your Savior did You stop clinging to the things of this world You stop hoarding things of this world Because Jesus Christ is your greatest treasure And as followers of Jesus Christ We have an eternal perspective And we want the grace of God to to abound in us We want to see the kingdom of God advance We want to see sinners brought to Jesus Christ We want to see the church of Jesus Christ built up we want to see the gospel preached to all nations. And this, is, this becomes the passion of those who are regenerate. If we are disciples of Jesus Christ, it is imperative that we follow him. And the exhortation we are given there, <clears throat> that the Lord Jesus Christ, we are told, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, why do they know? It's because they have been transformed by it, isn't it? That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. First John 3:7. 3, 317, sorry. First John 3:17 says, <clears throat> Of love is what? Is giving. Isn't it? God so loved the world that He gave. And if we are to imitate God, if we are to imitate His Son, we are to follow that by, 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 by giving. Jesus Christ is a supreme example. And Jesus Christ eclipses the example of the Macedonian church, isn't it? Because Jesus Christ is the perfect example of sacrificial giving. He laid down all the privileges and the prerogatives that he had in heaven so that we can be blessed. The poor saints in Macedonia would rather impoverish themselves so that the saints in Jerusalem might have their their, their needs met. Isn't it? Jesus Christ impoverished himself So that you can have abundant life, eternal life. This is the grace of Jesus Christ, the unmerited favor in giving. Jesus Christ possessed all the riches, all the riches beyond comprehension. All the riches of heavenly glory. He had the manifestation of His glory. He had the worship of the angels. He had the service of the angels. He had the presence and the smile of His Father. He had purity in heaven. He was perfect. He had joy. Yet He laid down those prerogatives aside so that He, he, we might, he might become our Redeemer. He impoverished Himself. Though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor. The incarnation of Jesus Christ impoverished Him. Jesus says, Foxes have holes. The birds of the air have nests, isn't it? But the Son of Man does not have a place to lay down His head. He was poor, despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Even at His crucifixion, at His arrest, His disciples deserted Him. Even on the cross, His Father deserted Him. God turned His back on Him. He was utterly forsaken by man. He became poor to the point that he had absolutely nothing. Why did he do it? So that you can become rich. That's what it says here. He emptied, metaphorically, his bank account so that he can fill your bank account, metaphorically. He laid down the favor and the privileges of heaven so that you can have favor and privilege with his father. And so brethren, we are rich We have unsearchable riches of Christ We've been blessed with justification, adoption Eternal life Regeneration You have the Holy Spirit living in you And every other spiritual blessing If Jesus Christ did that for you Nothing that you can do to him Can possibly be too much, isn't it? You can never give to the point of saying, I've given too much. Why? Because Christ is our supreme example. Whatever is given can never be measured. And so we're able to love Christ. His love controls us. His love constrains us. We've been given this marvelous gift and we're no longer our own. And so you consider what Christ has given to you when you're considering giving to others, isn't it? And if you do not have Christ, you're poor, isn't it? It doesn't matter how much money you have, how much influence or popularity or wealth you have in this country. It doesn't matter how much land and possession you have. If you do not have the true riches of Christ, you're poor. And indeed, what a wonderful Savior we have that he became poor so that we can be made rich. Question, comment before you look at the last point.
2: Financial giving is dependent on our giving ourselves to the Lord, our spiritual giving. Yes. So that we are, when we are not giving faithfully as we are, uh, materially, uh, the, the problem goes deeper. Mm. It's in our hearts that there is a big problem mm. because we are not giving ourselves to the Lord. Mm. Uh, the opposite of that is that when we give ourselves to the Lord, we will be able to give materially even when we are in lack
0: Mm.
2: uh, as we we may try to think Mm. then I also think that um, that passage there in in 2 Corinthians 8 is a direct appeal from the Apostle for the Corinthians not only that they may give in the church but that they may give in support to missionary work because the Macedonian churches were were flowing in support for him as he was doing his missionary work uh, so that they are not you know, they are not only to give in church but they are also to give towards uh, other saints that are not Within themselves, mm. others yes. out there. Uh, so that, uh, that the implication for us there is that we begin by giving in-house here uh, for to cater for our own needs, mm. but then we also seek to overflow in in giving mm. towards things who are who may be struggling or maybe in one need or another, mm. uh, and we know that that. That's how we are to think, because we would also be receiving support from other churches uh, who, uh, who know our needs and know what what we may be going through, so that we also ought to think like that, that when another church is struggling somewhere, or, or there's a missionary who is is being sent somewhere, if we can give ourselves to support them, then that's, that's that's what it means there in
0: 2 Corinthians. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I think um, we have truly to give ourselves first to God. It says there that um, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. That the best sacrifice you can give to God is not your money first, isn't it? But to, to give yourself to Him. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice to Him and then everything else will flow from that. Let's look at the last point. There's a legitimate expectation because of grace. For verse 11 to 15, it says, So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what... He does not have for I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened but that as a matter of fairness your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need that there may be fairness as it is written whoever gathered much had nothing left over and whoever gathered little had no luck and so Paul here in this concluding um, Uh, verses um, gives the imperative here to finish the offering, isn't it? Let your walk match your talk. You say that there was a desire to give a year ago. It says there in verse 10. Follow through that desire. And as you follow it, verse 12 says you give proportionally. And so what he's referring here is ordinary giving and not extraordinary giving like the Macedonian, isn't it? because the Macedonian giving was extraordinary and the blessing that really the the expectation they ought to have is when they give there will be a return from the Lord. There is a legitimate expectation that when you help your brothers in need open up your heart and wallet in such a way that you believe that God is the ultimate provider for all the things, there'll be blessing, isn't it? Uh, Yet, the blessing is not our motivation for giving. Uh, We give as an act of grace. Um, And so, the idea here of giving is a demonstration of the grace of God. It's the grace of God that compels us to see that God is my provider. God is my sustainer, my helper, my giver. And so if you have tested the grace of God, the freeness of it, the precious nature of it, it changes you. And how can you not emulate your heavenly father who has given you the ultimate gift of all? So that where there is the reception of free grace, there is no stinginess. People open up, to give and as they open up to give there is greater joy in the free grace of God there is great, greater willingness to do it and God is glorified if all of God's people were committed to faithful regular giving joyful glad giving this is in relation to biblical churches what we'll be talking about is what can we do to bless other churches isn't it what can we do to advance the cause of Christ Paul is telling them give in proportion to what you have even though he uses the Macedonian example um, he understands that the Macedonian example is an extraordinary giving and uh, we should give proportionally to what we have, and the Macedonian um, giving is not a matter of duty, it's a matter of Christian liberty. That we cannot expect all of us to give the way the Macedonian gave, isn't it? Because it is the outflow from the heart. You can't force people, isn't it? Uh, some people may be compelled to give more than others, isn't it? It's a matter of Christian liberty. But what he's calling on them is to give ordinary. Verse 12 says, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean, verse 13, I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness. Your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no luck. Jesus says, as I conclude, <clears throat> in Matthew 25, verse for then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food, And then the king will answer to them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Brethren, if the grace of God has has transformed us, if we've tasted the sweetness of it, the freeness of it, it will transform us. And Christ says, whatever you do to you, other brethren, other believers, what are you doing? You're doing it unto them. Whether you're feeding them, you're clothing them, you're visiting them in prison, you're providing medical health, or medical needs to them. And so, in our giving, as I conclude, you're seeking the name of God to be praised. As much as you, you, you desire the needs of other believers to be met, but the ultimate goal is for God's glory. You want God to be glorified. Isn't it? You want those saints who are needy, when they receive the gift from another church, they say what? Praise be to God, isn't it? Because it's, it's an act of grace. It's a gift from God. So may the Lord help us that we may seek to praise his name. Um, question or comment before I pray? Let us pray. Lord we thank you for your word this morning thank you that you have freely given us your son and our Lord Jesus Christ and no amount of our giving can ever be sufficient to be compared to the gift of Christ. Thank you that um Um, you encourage us to give help us to desire this act of grace and that as we give lord may we bring honor and, and praise to your name may it not may it not be about us may it be about about your name we praise you lord and we give you praise for these things we pray in jesus name